This is Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a program about connections, international business, supply chains and globalization and the effects these have had on our life, our work and our travel in today's world. Today on the show we'll be talking to uh, Leonardo Mara or Leonardo Mara perhaps uh, a fellow podcast host and international sales executive who describes himself as Roman at birth, Londoner following graduation and Shanghai since 2018. So now based in Shanghai, Leonardo is the Asia Pacific manager for the Instituto Marangoni and the Domus Academy, both of which are pillars for creative learning in the fashion, art and design fields. Leonardo is also the founder and host of the International Business Podcast, where he interviews experts across a broad range of industries from all around the world. So delighted to have Leonardo with us today uh, to get his perspective on international on the international business environment in 2022. So welcome, uh, Leonardo. Delighted to have you here with us. Hi, Patrick. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. And please call me Leo or Leo. Absolutely cool. Okay, I'll call you Leo then, if that's okay. <laughs> oh, yes. All right then, Leo. So um, could you ca- tell me in overview uh, about your your career to date? So, um, you know, you, you started life in Italy and today you're in Shanghai. What's in between? Absolutely. So as you mentioned at the beginning, I'm Italian, but I've been outside of Italy for 11 years now. Uh at core, at the core, I'm a salesperson. I will say I changed industry quite a few times in the past eleven years, but most of my roles have been into, let's say, sales and more, more specifically, B2B. I worked in production, so I worked as an export consultant while I was in Italy for a food packaging company, and that was my very first role, very first international role. I was dealing every day with Europeans in the morning and Americans. Uh, in the afternoon and late at night, and I loved that. And after that, I would say I never stopped. I then moved to London, which you know, back in the day was in Europe, uh, the UK. And uh, for me, that was the most uh, international place I could find not that far from Italy. I spent seven years in Italy. I work in the gambling industry. I work, I work in the education industry. And then I worked for about five years in medical devices. Uh, and lately, though, after I moved to Shanghai, China, I worked first in medical devices, and then I moved to education, more specifically fashion. So I probably mentioned five, six different industries. But as I was saying, Patrick, every single job I had, I was dealing with people from all over the world. And that's what I enjoyed the most. So no matter the product and the service that I was dealing with, the international aspect of each and every job I was covering was, I would say, the thing that I like the most and I hope also maybe the thing, um, I don't want to say the best at it, but let's say I also enjoy. So long story short, now I manage the Asia Pacific region for uh, two of, of, I'm on the boss, the, sorry, the best uh, fashion, art and design schools in the world. So a bit of a change, but still international and still sales. So you've worked across different sectors, very different sectors. So what would you say are the commonalities or the common processes that you see again and again through the different businesses that are um, uh, fundamental to success? Maybe this sounds a little bit simplistic, but I'll say understanding. So understanding 
the it's important to try to understand the the person on the other end of the spectrum because it was dealing with people really from all over the world it was tough to understand the let's say the right approach the right wordings the right i don't know cadence of maybe the sales process everything is different but let me do a step back number 1 Italians are not all the same. Japanese are not all the same. Chinese are not the same. So I don't really believe you can have the same approach when you're dealing with one specific country because, you know, I'm from Rome, Italy, and I tend to be quite different compared to Italians from other parts of Italy. But overall, there could be, let's say, an approach that could be used with most of Italians. But in my case, because I dealt with people from 50 plus countries, I think the the common, the common uh, action I had to do in every single job was to be humble, but more, more than that was to be curious because I was the one learning. So instead of trying to sell, I think my job was really about trying to understand the culture, the personality of the buyer, so on and so forth. And I had to be humble. I couldn't be arrogant at all. <laughs> Otherwise, it was impossible for me to sell. So curiosity... I would say probably the most important thing together with being, let's say, understanding. And then right now you're working on behalf of the Istituto Marangoni and the Domus Academy in Shanghai. So what are these organizations and what are their international business objectives and why are they in Shanghai? So... Domus Academy is an Italian postgraduate uh, university that focuses on fashion and design. And Istituto Marangoni is one of the top, I will say, fashion and design schools that covers both UG and PG programs, so both BA and Masters. And Istituto Marangoni is actually present in several countries around the world, China, India, Europe. So in Europe, we have a campus in Italy, one in France, uh, uh, another one in the UK, but we also have the US. So a very international, I will say, uh, group of schools. And being based in Shanghai, my role is to recruit students both through B2B and B2C channels all over Asia Pacific. So Shanghai is number one strategic, strategic because of its location in Asia Pacific. And of course, when it will be possible to travel, <laughs> it will be even better because now, I guess, like most of the listeners, you know, I do everything on Zoom or Meet. Uh, but in Shanghai, we do also have a campus. So it is also possible to recruit students here before they go to, let's say, Europe. What kind of, um, what kind of courses are available in, in the Institute? So the top courses are within the realm of fashion, and they're broadly divided into three categories. Fashion design, fashion business, and fashion styling and creative direction. I see. So tell me, another um, element of what you do is the International Business Podcast. So what inspired you to, to found that and what kind of guests and contents you have on your, on your podcast? So about two years ago, before I moved on to the, let's say, fashion education industry, I was working in the medical devices sector as an international sales manager. Uh, based here in Shanghai. And I was traveling every single month. So here in China, in Shanghai, we do have the manufacturing plant and the company. I was the only foreigner in the company and I was in charge, uh, especially of the European sales, but then also North America. And I was traveling with my colleagues 
every single month from Canada all the way down to Australia. Then suddenly uh, the pandemic arrived and January 2020 now, I think so long has passed. I think it's yes, January 2020, uh, I stopped traveling. And that was a bit of a shock because I guess uh, like you, Patrick, you know, you were, we were used to be in airport. We were used to go to fairs, exhibitions, exchanging business cards and finding other B2B partners. And then suddenly we were at the office that for us, it was absolutely strange. So I was thinking, how can I keep not just engaging with my potential um, customers, because I think it would be a bit boring. I mean, at least for me, doing a, a show, a podcast, where I'm only looking for customers, because it's something I could probably do just for a short period of time. So I was looking back at my experience. And as I said, I work across different countries and across a broad range of industries. I was thinking, what can I do that is still connected to what I'm doing now, but at the same time, I'm still connected to past employers, past customers, and perhaps even then future, because I knew there was a chance I could change industry again. And guess what? It happened five months later. And at the end, I decided to create the International Business Podcast, a hobby. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun uh, doing this. Now I'm about 100 episodes. And every Monday, I interview an international professional from any industry. The important thing is that this person works at, across time zones, borders, and cultures. And I'm having, so number one, so much fun. But number two, I was looking for a show that could give me, could pass on to me information from other international professionals, from industries that I don't know much about. And I'm learning, having these 20, 30 minutes conversations. And... I'm planning to do this more and more. Excellent. So you describe yourself, uh, I mentioned this in the intro, you describe yourself as uh, Roman at birth, Londoner by graduation, and now Shanghai since 2018. So in these three global cities where you have uh, lived and, and worked, what would you highlight as the cultural contrasts and similarities that you have come across? Maybe this would be a little bit funny, but Romans, perhaps, <laughs> compared to the Chinese or Londoners, I'm generalizing here, but definitely warmer and funnier. You know, Rome is a, is a place that you go to a bar, you go to the post office, or you're just walking down the street, you could probably interact with anybody, and there's going to be always sarcasm involved in any conversation. And this is true both in normal, let's say, situations, but also in business. So there is always this kind of a, I will say, sense of ridiculous, if I can say that. London is a bit the opposite, even if, you know, of course, people have fun. And I spent seven years in London. It was amazing. But I loved London because it is very much business oriented and people get things done way better and at least way faster on average <laughs> than what happened in Rome before. And then while I was in London, I started working with a Chinese company that then later became my employer uh, when I moved to Shanghai. And while I was still in London, I had the chance to visit Shanghai. And it gave me the same feeling that London gave me many years before when I visited London for the first time coming from Rome. It gave me the sense of the future, uh, dynamism. Um, I don't know, the speed of everything just seemed different to me. And I had the same feeling really, I had 10 years before. So I, re I decided that Shanghai was going to be my next step. And 
I'll tell you this, Patrick. Sometimes people ask me, is it, Leo, which city do you prefer? Which country is, is better? Is it Italy? Is it Rome or uh, you know the UK or China? I think it really depends which chapter of your life you're in. I don't think Rome is better than London or London better than Shanghai. No, no. They're just different places. And I think they were perfect for the different times I was living in. And right now, Shanghai is the right place for me. But I will always cherish what I, the seven years in London and then the 20 years in Italy. And again, connecting this to business, being an international professional, I need to be able to, in my opinion, to really get acquainted with different environments each and every time. Otherwise, it would be impossible for me then to sell to the Japanese, to sell to the Koreans, to sell before to the South Africans, so on and so forth. So I think changing environment for me, it is also a way to keep running and to be in a challenging environment in order then, let's say, to sell, if mm-hmm. I can put that. that and, and culturally then, what similarities do you, do you see that maybe people would be surprised about? You know, they may think of these places as being very, very different, but are there any underlying similarities that it's useful to highlight? So let's take Shanghai and London. I would say both of them are extremely business-oriented and people get things done. Rome, perhaps a little bit less. I mean, stuff happens in Rome, okay? But I think London and Shanghai are more similar. But culturally speaking, I think Chinese on average are more similar to Italians than, uh, uh, than let's say, English people. The Maybe more outside the business. So family-wise, conversation-wise, approach, there's way, there are way more similarities than what I thought at the beginning. Chinese and Italians. What I noticed when uh, at times when I've been in China, uh, having lived in Spain, w- what struck me as being similar is how many people there are in the streets all the time. So Spain is a country where the streets are always thronged with people. And when I went to China, it was a similar kind of a thing. Uh, and perhaps Italy has that as well. People spend uh, more time outdoors maybe than they do in, in the UK or Ireland or Denmark or places like that. Would you say that's true? Yes, <laughs> I, I think that is true, uh, Patrick. Uh, you know, at the same time, I, I don't believe in generalization, but yeah, there are some kind of common traits that we can see in, uh, in people across different countries, yes. 93.9, Dublin South FM. Now, as we um, come out of the uh, emergency stage of COVID, you and I were talking about this very briefly uh, earlier. So here in in Western Europe, um, we have passed the peak of Omicron and things seem to be getting back to to normal, at least here in Western Europe. Um, So there's a kind of a palpable sense of a return to normality. So what's the general mood and attitude in China now? And as we move into this early part of 2022, how do you see things uh, as they are and where they're going in the coming months? I will will say that we've been in a kind of bubble here, Patrick. Life has been normal for at least 18 months here. You know, both, I would say, business-wise, but also, let's say, entertainment-wise. It is possible to travel within China. It is possible to do business. Okay, yeah, we'll wear a mask or whatever, uh, regardless of where we're going. But the the sense of fear 
has gone a long time ago. I really don't remember the last time, let's say, I was worried or afraid of the situation. But there is a but. It's a bubble. So as long as we are here, everything is okay. If you like to travel or perhaps to travel and then come back, well, there is a chance you may not do that. So it's a very good bubble to be in, but you have to be in. So I know a lot of people that in the, you know, over the course of the past couple of years, they left for several reasons and some people left for good and other people they left are not able to come back. Me personally, I don't think that China will open anytime soon. I think we still need probably the end of the year. It's good. The good, uh, the news, I will say in Europe, pretty good. Um, I agree that the, the peak of the Omicron has passed. And my personal opinion is that China may, let's say, loosen up a little bit over the course of the past of the next uh, six, nine months. But I don't see myself traveling around the Asia Pacific like I should do anytime soon, if I have to be honest. So has has the Omicron wave actually reached China at all? No, I will say no. There there are cases, but you know, here the, the situation and uh, partial lockdowns happen with maybe five cases if they come up or 10 cases, you know, just numbers that are kind of crazy when probably told to Europeans because, you know, five or 10 cases a, uh, a day or a week is nothing. So here, if something happens, they just block everything. But in Shanghai, really, about 16, 18 months, basically nothing happened. Uh -huh. At least my, my life didn't change at all. Okay. And how has the, uh, how's the vaccination campaign gone in China? All the people I know around me got vaccinated. Uh, I think they're the, I don't know the specific numbers, but I can say colleagues and yeah, people around me, we all got the vaccine. And a few weeks ago, the third vaccine is also, the third shot is now open to foreigners as well. So I'm going to get my third shot, I think around April. I need to wait, you know, six months from the second dose, but it seems okay, I would say. Okay. And then from your contacts with lots of uh, international business people, what's your perspective on the international business environment in the first half of 2022? And how do you think it's been changed by the experience of COVID? So number one, digital disruption. If you haven't adopted more digital technology or you're not planning to do that, I think your business will simply suffer. So Personally speaking, from my point of view, the best, I don't know, agents, distributors, or business people in general, I'm not just referring to the business I mean, but as you know, because of the International Business Podcast, I have a chance to talk with others. Those that are, I don't just want to say thriving, but also doing okay, or those that really shifted from a retail or physical only activities to something that is more hybrid. So a combination of digital and physical, so the so-called digital uh, environment. And I think this is going to stay. Let's, I would like to bring an example of, you know, exhibitions. You know, before it was just, no matter the country, no matter the exhibition, we would go and fly and exhibit our products or services, whatever, anywhere in the world. Because of COVID, we realized that, of course, after six, eight months of chaos, it is possible to have quality conversations online, to meet prospects online, 
And let's be honest, sometimes you don't need to spend 10, 20K, whatever, US dollars or euros to go to a place and to get, I don't know, three business cards and, you know, and two of them are useless and the third one is a customer you already had in your pipeline. I think now we're going to be, we're going to spend and we're going to travel in a more efficient way. You know, we will go, no matter, I think, the, the service or industry you're in, we're going to be more surgical with exhibitions and fairs. You're not going to take the whole team and go to an exhibition where perhaps in the last 10 years, you only got, I don't know, five good customers in the last decade from that particular exhibitions. So this is bad for some industries, of course, especially I can just imagine all those companies that provide uh, the materials, you know, to, to exhibit. But at the same time, uh, you know, every time there is a disruption, there are winners and losers. Again, I think digital disruption is not something that you can say it is good or bad, but not welcoming it. I think it's, uh, it will just be a bad thing. So it is important to keep doing this. And, you know, I don't mind, but again, it's not what you like or what you don't like. It's probably just the way it is going to be. Yeah. Um... Globalization is a is a process. I like to ask people about their their, their perspective on globalization. So I guess um, you know there have been waves of globalization in the in the past, but I guess the one that we're living through now is one that took off after World War II and particularly since the nineteen seventies. But it seemed around twenty fifteen um, we started to hit some uh, obstacles. You know we had Brexit. We had Trump in the US, we had US-China tensions, trade wars and so on, COVID, and then we have a potential war in Europe with Ukraine and, and Russia. So what's, what's your read, uh, your current read on the process of globalization? Do you think it's gone into reverse? Is this just a blip or is it just changing form? What do you think? I think that the rise of uh, nationalism is kind of present in most countries. And personally speaking, it's something I don't like. You know, I don't know. I never like, let's let's take it Italians as an example, okay? Just because I'm Italian, so I probably can say that. So Italians that say, you know, Italy is the best place in the world, that we are the best, are people that I don't like. And both personally and professionally. But then the same applies to every other country. So I think nationalism per se is not very good because, I don't know, me, I like the idea of interacting with others because number one, when you think, sometimes you think that we're very different, but at the end of the day, we're not. So I'm absolutely pro-globalization, uh, Patrick. And I'm a little bit sad that I see a kind of inward movement or inward flow that is happening more or less everywhere. But at the same time, I mean, you have way more experience than me, but it, it's a flow. How do you say it's a cycle? You know, it, it cannot always expand. The, the international business cannot be always more international and ever expanding. There are cycles. So probably now we are in a cycle where everything is becoming more domestic, more national, more inward looking. I think it is going to stay a little bit. So my take would be globalization is going back a little bit. 
and it will keep for a while, at least until the whole COVID situation, not is gone because COVID is going to stay with us. I mean, those people that say COVID is disappearing soon, I don't think that's possible. We just need to live with it. That's my opinion. Um, but again, I think the, the narrative that you read in the news, the narrative that you can read on social media is very much you know, pro whatever country you're in. I personally don't like this, but again, it's a little bit like digital disruption. It's, it's happening. You know, it doesn't matter if you yeah. like it or not. We just need to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, so, but at the same time, I want to, I want to believe that globalization overall is good. I don't think that globalization is always good. Of course, let's be honest. You know, there's there are winners and losers. You need to be not just smart, but more more than that, you need to be lucky. Also, you know, to be in the winner's side when things go well. But it is also important to realize that. Maybe not today, but tomorrow, I might be in the loser side in the globalization process. So again, let's just be aware of it. And like everything, there are pros and cons. But overall, I think we're going back in terms of internationalization compared to expanding. As we come into the last few minutes, we might just change tack a little and maybe ask you one or two questions about yourself. So when you're not... Um, working in international business, either on sales or doing your podcast, what kind of things do you like to do in your spare time? Oh, number one would be play video games. I video love, games. I love play, I love PlayStation, and I'd love to have more time play playing PlayStation. It's something I've been doing since I was a kid. Of course, now I do way less, but if I could get, if I could squeeze a little bit more free time during the week, that's what I would do. Maybe I'll make you laugh a little bit, but like usually I wake up maybe half an hour earlier than usual when I want to play with the PlayStation 5. So like this morning, I woke up like uh, 6.30 just to play, you know, half an hour before they get ready for work. Okay. And second, but they're not in a particular order, okay? It's music. Um, I play guitar and I have Spotify on all the time. So unless I'm working, of course, <laughs> but I'm always listening to music. It's something that if I leave my, my headphones and I realize this once, you know, I just left the building, I will come back and take them because driving or taking the, the tube without listening to the music or a podcast, but mainly music for me would be, it would be too much to bear. I have to be honest. And are you reading anything at the moment or listening to anything anything in terms of uh, ebooks, audiobooks, or so on, podcasts that have inspired you that you would recommend to listeners? The Salesman podcast is a very good podcast about, well, guess what? The sales. He, Will Barrow, is the founder um, and the host of the show. His podcast is the very first show that hooked me, and this happened during the, the pandemic. And I really recommend it to salespeople uh, out there. Then, of course, I like Tim Ferriss. Um, the only problem about Tim Ferriss is that the episodes are just too long. You know, <laughs> we had this conversation, Patrick, 20, 30 minutes. I think it is an amazing, uh, it's a sweet spot, if I could yeah. say that. When it's like two, three hours long, too much. Even if it is the most amazing guest in the world, I may lose interest. So listening to the same episode throughout three, four days, I think it's a little bit too much. Unless it's Elon Musk, so I could listen to an Elon Musk episode for three, four days. But 
otherwise it is a bit hard. So where can people find out more about you, about your work, and how can they contact you? Best way to contact me is LinkedIn. So find me on LinkedIn, write Leonardo Marra. Probably, you know, my name is going to be in the show notes, so you can get the spelling there, or just look for the show, The International Business Podcast. I guess if you go on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you write International Business, it'll come up. If it doesn't, let me know. It means I'm doing something wrong. Okay, excellent. Well, many thanks, uh, Leonardo, for being here with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I wish you the very best for the future. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks also to our listeners for tuning in. Any comments or questions, just drop me a line on pdaily at albalogistics.com. Keep well and stay safe until next time.